Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Psalm 113, this is not my message, but I'm going to read it anyway. Verse 7 says that God raises the poor from the dust. The dust is the cursed life. So God raises poor people out of cursed living and he lifts the needy from the ash heap or the dunghill. If you feel like it's cursed, that's what, literally what it says. I know we don't want to be gross, but that's what it's saying. He lifts us the needy out of the dunghill and he raises the poor from the cursed way of living and he makes them sit with princes. So the power of sitting under the word of God is that God transforms people and takes them from a place of poverty and brokenness and cursed living, a cursed mindset, and he transforms them so they think like kings and princes. So here's a, here's a question. Are there any kings and queens and princes and princes in the house today? Amen. So it doesn't matter what your background's like. God loves to take the poor and set them with princes. So don't come today thinking, well, I can't do it. I've got no money. I, I could never do anything great for God. I don't have an intellect. God specializes. Paul says he takes those that are stupid. He calls them the blockheads in Corinthians. And, and, and he makes them sit in elevated places so God would get all the glory. This is not about you. Did you hear that? It's about him. And that's why he delights to take people out of the ash. So when people see their elevation, they say, that must be God. I look around here today and I see people that you were once in a bad place and God has blessed you and he's blessed you and he's blessed you and he's blessed you and now you sit with princes. How good is that? So I've got a great word for you today. And I want to challenge you to lay aside all your whys and ifs and that couldn't be and elevate God's word over your mindset and even over your circumstance, over your religious ideas, over what your mum and dad said, over what your pastor may have said in a previous life. Elevate the word of God above all that. Let God be true and every man a liar. Okay, he can't deny himself forever. His word is settled in heaven. And if it's, if it's in his word and it's in context, I believe it. Yeah? So I'm going to preach to you from the Word of God. His Word is powerful. He's elevated His Word above His name. And so if you've got an objection, then bring that under the Word of God today. Let God be true. True prosperity is found in God's Word. As you eat it and live it and let it become part of who you are, that's true prosperity in every area of your life. All right. I want to continue on about talking about walking in the blessing. Isaiah 1 verse 19 on the screen says this. It says, if you are willing and obedient, say with me, if I am willing, if I'm willing and, obedient, and obedient, I will eat of the good of the land. We want to welcome all those on live stream today, those listening on YouTube and on podcast. God has a word for you today as well. He's a miracle-working God. He does miracles in the Philippines, in Estonia, in America, and France. It reaches all the way there. Isn't that amazing? Some people say, well, you don't understand that I live in a poor country. God's word supersedes every circumstance. 
the government's economy. We live in the kingdom economy, and it functions in every realm. It worked for Isaac. He sowed in the land of famine, and he went broke like everyone else. No, he reaped a hundredfold. Some of you think, what did it say that he went broke? Maybe I missed that bit. No, he reaped a hundredfold in the same year. So we spoke last week about being obedient, and you'll be able to get, two weeks ago, you'll be able to get that on the podcast. I don't want to go over that too much, but essentially I talked about preparing your heart and positioning God as your spiritual head. They're the two things about being obedient, that we prepare our heart. It's the heart, the altar that sanctifies the gift. If your heart's not in the giving, there's no power in the giving. God loves a cheerful giver. If you're giving out of religion or duty, don't bother. The church doesn't need your money that much, and neither does God. God wants you to give because you have a revelation of the power of giving. That's why we give. I can't wait to give. I can't, really. I love to give. Well, you used to say that because you're a pastor. No, I love to give before I was a pastor. That's probably why I am a pastor. If you notice that God elevates those that are generous, just the way the, 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 the law of the kingdom works. And then we talked about positioning God as spiritual head. So as we give, we, we understand that it's the gift, the power of the gift is that sanctifies the whole, that my giving, my tithes and offerings sanctifies everything that's left over. God could have said, I want 20%, five, whatever it is. Whatever it is, he said, it's 10% of our tithe. And he said that when you give that, it'll sanctify everything else you have. The rest, the whole lot is holy, sanctified. So I make God the spiritual head. We talked about the power of tithing and what it represents. So get that if you haven't yet heard that. So today I want to talk to you about the second part. So being obedient and being willing. Say, I am willing. It's good. Willing is not a passive position. It says if you are willing, it's an active, it's an it's a energized position. I am willing to eat the good of the land. So it's something where I've got to apply the force of my will. I am determined to receive by faith all that God has for me. I am on a mission. I am just obsessed with breaking through into all that God has for my life. See, I've discovered in the kingdom it doesn't come to the passive, like, oh, if God wants to bless me, you will. Well, you won't. You won't walk in the blessing. You've got to go after it. You've got to be willing. I am willing to take a hold of all that he has for me. I am willing today to live in prosperity. Yes. See, you don't think, well, what's the big deal about that? The, the majority of Christians I have met, even including leaders, are not willing to live in prosperity. They're confused by it. They're unsure by it. They think it's a bit fleshly. But not me. I'm willing to live in prosperity. I say, God, if they don't want it, give it all to me. I know how to use it. I can bless people. I can enlarge your kingdom. I want to walk in the fullness. I am willing. Bring it on. And I believe I'm in a church with people that are willing to be blessed by God. It's not passive. It's like, oh, if you want to give it to me, it's okay with me. No, 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 no. It's like, God, I want it. I want it. God's will for Adam, Abraham, and everyone that followed them was prosperity. Let me tell you, Genesis 15:1. God said to Abram, I am your shield or your protector, your exceedingly great reward. Or else... In the Hebrew, it says, I am your pay packet or your, your wage giver. 
I am. I am your exceedingly great reward. Genesis 17 verse 6, listen to this or look on the screen. God established his covenant with Abraham and he said, I am going to make you, Abram, exceedingly fruitful. That sounds pretty good when God's talking. Look, just get this in mind. This is a bit of a segue, but God's building New Jerusalem. Think about this. This gives you an understanding of, of a fraction of what God means when he says, I'm going to bless you. New Jerusalem is 1,500 miles like a cube, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's bigger than the continent of, Af- of uh, India. So it's that, that's the size, but it's 1,500 miles high or 600,000 stories high. Okay, so you've got India and 600,000 stories high. And it's solid gold. Put that in your cranium. The walls are made of precious stones. There are 12 gates in these walls that are made of solid pearl. That's a lot of pearl. 1,500 miles high. The city is made of gold. Do you get that? I don't know if you know, if you've studied how much gold is in the world now. I don't want to bore you with all those details, but it's not even one story. Not even a fraction of one story of what God has prepared for us. God said to Abram, I'm going to make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come out of you. That's you. You've come out of Abraham. You're a king. That's, that's talking about position, authority, rulership. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, Abraham, and your descendants after you in their generation. This is, this is now. Every generation that followed, God says, you know the covenant I've cut with you, Abraham? I'm going to establish the same covenant with every generation that follows you. So I remind God, that's me. I'm of the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Because I'm in Christ. I'm the heir of Abraham. So you've cut this same covenant. I talk to God like this. That same covenant that you cut with Abraham. You said in Genesis 17 that you've cut that covenant with Andrew McGrath. And he says, I know. I've been waiting for you to tell me that. I will make it for an everlasting covenant. Well, maybe it skipped you. No, no, it's everlasting. I will be a God to you and your descendants after you. God has obligated himself to bless me as much as he did Abraham. And to bless you as much as he did Abraham. Is this getting into anyone's heart? For his promise is to establish his covenant for this generation. Is there anybody today that is willing to live in that covenant? It's not just a, well, you know, it will happen if it happens. No, because we know for many generations the church has not lived in the fullness of that covenant. So that tells me that you've got to pursue it. You've got to be willing. Say, God, I will live in that covenant. And I will not die until I see that outworked in my life by God's grace. God established that same covenant with Isaac even before Isaac was born. God said to Abraham in Genesis 17, and I'm going to establish that with your son Isaac. 
God had full intention. And Isaac is a picture of every son and daughter. He's the son of promise. He's a picture for every one of us today. God said even before Isaac was born, guess what, Abraham? This is not just about you, but for Isaac and for Dean and for every one of us here today. For Orlando, he looked in, right down the corridors of time and he saw us and he called us out and he says, that covenant's for them as well. Amen. And I'm willing. Anybody willing? Yeah. Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, is anyone in Christ today? Anybody? Anybody? Are you in Christ? So if you are Christ, and by the way, Abraham was exceedingly rich. That's a good scripture to have too, isn't it? Well, I don't know about money. Well, you're Abraham's seed. You're you're speaking ill of your father. Well, I don't know. I don't think you should have blessed my father the way you did. Abraham was extremely rich. And it says, in fact, the scripture says God had blessed him in all things. All things. It's not just money. It's health. It's relationships. It's influence. God blessed him in every area of his life. That's the covenant. So if you're a Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are an heir according to the promise. An heir doesn't work for anything. The heir just receives the blessings and the favor and the overflow of their parents. I like that. God says you're an heir according to the promise today. Amen? Amen. Wow, that's, that is amazing. God's covenant is a covenant of prosperity. And I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it. God's covenant is a covenant of prosperity. And for all those that don't believe it, I'll say it again. God's covenant is a covenant of prosperity. It's a covenant of prosperity. It's a covenant of prosperity. Psalm 89.34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the word that goes out of my mouth. God has not changed his mind. His covenant is a covenant of prosperity. Get used to it. Let it sit. Let it feel good. The one who embraces poverty rejects his covenant. The one who embraces poverty defends it, argues for it, rejects God's covenant. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I don't want his covenant. I don't believe in his covenant. I don't want it in my life. And I'm going to work against it. But the one who embraces his covenant rejects poverty. That's how it works. You're either embracing the covenant and rejecting poverty or embracing poverty and rejecting the covenant. Sure. That's why God said, choose this day. Let's just dial down a little bit more, just so it's clear for every person here today and those listening. Satan is the author of poverty. Satan is the author of poverty. God is the author of prosperity. Anyone else going to say amen? Amen. Poverty and lack came to Adam the day he switched allegiance from God to Satan. When Adam was in the garden with his wife, all they knew was overflow, blessing, rest, the goodness, God's kindness. God's government is prosperity. The enemy's government is poverty and lack. The curse 
is poverty. The blessing is prosperity. You think, well, why is he going on about? Because most of the church don't believe that. Psalm 35, 27, which some Christians have eliminated from their Bible, but it's still there. It says, let the Lord be magnified. So we praise him, we exalt him because of what's going to be said. Right? God's not magnified when you embrace poverty. It's not, oh, well done, children. You're taking the vow of poverty. Oh, you've blessed my heart. It's like a father who, who's got so much to give his children and he sees them living without. They're not eating, they're not being dressed properly. And it's like somehow that, that, that makes me feel good. It's, it's crazy to think that way. Let the Lord be magnified who what? Has pleasure. Do you, do you hear the context? Not, oh, if you must. If my church must be blessed, I guess I'll get along. I'll go with the program. I guess you could live that way. No, he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God gets a kick out of you being blessed. Hmm. That's a good scripture. My inheritance is not man is not money or land, but it's God Himself. It's his resources. All he is is his wisdom. And when I begin to lock into that, there's unending wealth and blessing that God wants to give me. So because of all that I have said, I make a statement today. I am not willing to live in lack. The lying, lying symptoms of lack have no right in my life. I'm not willing to live with lack. I'm not willing to live in lack. Redemption was bought through the blood of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, God has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? Read Deuteronomy 28. Sin, sickness and poverty. That's the curse. That's the curse. All the things that didn't live in the garden. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. For curse is everyone who hangs on the tree, it says. And the next verse, in verse 14, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus redeemed us from the curse so we could live under the blessing of Abraham so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The moment the Holy Spirit comes in your life and you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit sets at work as you obey and are willing to, to live under what God says to be true. He begins to work in your life to bring to pass all the blessings of God. But if you refuse to obey the word, if you refuse to let the word transform the way you think, the Holy Spirit has his hands tied. We sang today about have your way. He'd like to have his way. It's not just about singing it as good as it is, but it's about allowing him to work through a renewed mind that says, God, you are not willing for me to live in lack. You are willing for me to live under the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to get into your word. I'm going to feast. Because the, tr- the secret to prosperity is this. You ready? Yep. This is the secret. This is the, 
un, unveiled secret. It's so mysterious. It's found by pursuing and eating the Word of God day and night. There is no other way. That's the secret to kingdom prosperity. So his thoughts become my thoughts. I begin to think like him. Over and over in the Old Testament, it's saying, if you obey my commands, if you obey my commands, and we read it, well, what, what's God saying? He's saying, get the word inside you, feast it on it, meditate on it, day and night. And all of a sudden, the kingdom law is going to begin to unfold in life. The Bible says it's like a man who sows a seed. He goes to bed, he wakes up, and the seed begins to grow all by itself, 30, 60, 100 fold. And all of a sudden it says at the last stage of that plant, the seed that was planted in the ground, now there's a full grain of the head. The seed that was in the ground has now appeared in the, in the bush or the tree. Before that, there's no seed. The only seed is under the ground. The plant grows, but the seed hasn't come. It's when the plant grows and then it begins to bear the seed. So in other words, what I've taken as a spiritual reality and planted inside me like a seed under the ground, nobody can see it. It begins to grow into me until that seed that I've planted inside me is bearing fruit in, in reality in my world. Does that make sense? The seed that was planted is now manifesting in physical reality. That's what you do. So actively resist lack. Shout at it like you would for healing. Say, Satan, you are not allowed to put this sickness on me. Get your lying, thieving hands off my body in Jesus' name. I rebuke this cold. Get out of this body, for this body is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. And we rebuke sickness. And the church has got a revelation of that. Sickness, get out. So what about with lack? I come against lack. I come against all these lying symptoms that, that tend to come around me. And the enemy says, I'll never have enough. He says that I should think like a pauper. I rebuke these lying thoughts. The enemy says, you can't afford to give into the kingdom. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You get out. That's what it says. We actively resist lack. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. The devil is telling you, you'll never have enough. He says there is no way. And you say there is a way because Jesus is the way. There will be a way. He says you'll never get out of debt. You tell him, the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing. I'm not going to be in debt. I'm going to live as a king. So lack, you get out. You've actually got to take authority. It is a spirit. When it comes against this church, I tell you what I do. I get out of my office. I say bye to the staff. And I walk down this street and I yell at this demonic spirit called lack and unbelief that seeks to grab a hold of God's people. And I rebuke it in Jesus' name. And the moment I do that, things begin to shift. You can do that in your own life. That was good, Andrew. Psalm 115, oh, it's going to get better. Verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. R.K. Harrison translation, I can't find to buy, but it did exist. R.K. Harrison said, he translated this verse, may the Lord give you continual prosperity. Continual means without interruption. So you know what that means? It means... I will never need to live from miracle to miracle. I hear the church get up and say, and there's a place for this when you begin. 
I want to bless the Lord. I had no money and $30 came through and God is good. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what? If you say that after 40 years living in faith, something's wrong. It's called going from the wilderness to the promised land. We're not supposed to be believing for miracle after miracle. We're supposed to be the miracle. Continual prosperity. Deuteronomy 8 verse uh, 6 to 9. It says, you'll keep the commands of the Lord your God to walk in your ways. See, that's absorbing the word. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land where you eat food without scarcity, in which you will lack, not lack anything. Look at that. No lack. No scarcity. Deuteronomy 28 28 verse 8 says, the Lord God is going to give you storehouses. Storehouses is for the overflow. It's for the double portion. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day. Well done. Tomorrow's bread. Well, everyone says today's bread. But the Greek actually says tomorrow. Why? Because that's the picture of when the manna came. On the sixth day, they got today's and tomorrow. It's called the overflow, the double portion. Jesus was teaching the disciples that when you pray, don't pray just for enough for today, but pray for the overflow so you're not worried about tomorrow. When he multiplied the fish and the loaves, there wasn't just enough for today. There was an overflow. It's the way God works. So I speak to lack. And I say, peace and prosperity are mine now. This is the sort of prayer I would pray. Satan, I resist you now in Jesus' name. You may just want to lift up your hands there and I pray it over you. Peace and prosperity are yours right now. Satan, I resist you over these people in Jesus' name. They have been redeemed from poverty and from lack. So I command lack to flee in Jesus' name. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we draw near to the blessed one and resist the cursed one. Father, we thank you that Jesus paid the ultimate price for our salvation, our healing, our deliverance, and our blessing. And we value and honor your sacrifice by saying we are willing to take it all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we said, point one today, that we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to receive the blessing. And that's a mindset shift for many of us. We haven't been willing to be blessed. We tie God's hands. And we have to be not willing to live without. You've actually got to get a bit of Holy Ghost anger in you. And say, Satan, you get your hands off. When he starts touching my family, you don't want to mess with me. When I get angry, I'm a very nice person most of the time. But when I get angry, you ask those who played football with me, I am not a man to be messed with. But that's in the flesh. When it comes to the spirit realm, don't be a man or woman to be messed with. Don't roll over and play dead. Stand up and say, this is not going to happen. You are not touching my marriage, you're not touching my children, and you're not touching my health, and you're not touching my finances. You get out. And if you want to fight, bring it on. 
because I have God Almighty on my side. He's my shield and my protector. And not just do I have God, and he's more than enough. He actually won't even get off his throne to deal with you. He will send these holy angels, and they will take care of you. One angel can take out 185,000 men without even raising a sweat. And he's got multitudes of those. You want a war? Bring it on. And I say that with all reverence, but we have the backing of God when we use his word. And God wants us to take a stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Not roll over and play dead, but stand. God is calling some mighty men and women in the kingdom that would actually take their place. All right. I think I've made enough of that point. Second thing is now we're willing, now we need to turn our faith loose. It was an old saying that Kenneth Hagin had turn your faith loose. Hebrews 1 verse 2 tells us that God has spoken to us in these last days through his son. So he's always going to speak like a son to us, a father to a son, and he wants us to speak like sons and daughters. It's a a hint of what's about to happen. The language of the kingdom has shifted. No longer slaves, but sons. And as you read through Hebrews 1, 2, and 3, we begin to discover the Bible says that he made man a little lower than the angels. And essentially, it goes back to the psalmist who says that the the actual Hebrew meaning was a little lower than God himself. That he's created you and I. The heavens belong to him, but he's placed us on earth. And Hebrews 2 says that, and I want to get the right phrase, but it says, where are we? You have put all things in subjection under their feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he has left nothing that is not subject to him. However, we don't see all things yet subject to him. So what is, what's the writer saying? The potential from the cross is that every single thing will be subject to the church. We don't yet see it. But he goes on to say in verse 9 that the reason Jesus came was to break the power of the enemy. He says, all authority now has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He did that for your sake. And he says, now you can stand and know that everything is under subjection to you. Everything. So that's why you turn your faith loose, knowing that all things are subject to me in Jesus' name. You have authority more than you realize it. So as a co-heir, I begin to speak in agreement with our high priest in heaven. He is the high priest of our confession. He upholds all things by the power of his word. Listen to me. The fact that you got up this morning and the sun came out of sorts, there was a sky and everything began to operate in its normal function is living proof that when God speaks, it comes to pass. He says, I uphold all things by the word of my power. And we are co-heirs with him. God has spoken it. So we, have, we are the ones on earth that release the word of faith. What God has said in heaven is now established on earth. We bring everything under subjection to his authority. And that includes finances. You have authority. The Bible says faithful over little, faithful over much. We're in a testing ground at the moment. The laws of prosperity, listen... When it comes to faith, come with built-in protection. So when you first begin in the kingdom, God's not going to give you, I'm just using like a picture, a Ferrari 
when you first start off in the kingdom. Why? Because hand the keys to a Ferrari to a two-year-old child and they probably won't make it out the driveway. So he trains us in the ways of the kingdom, trains us how to release our faith, trains us about the power of our word. See, kings understand every word spoken must come to pass. So God trains us and he releases. I don't understand exactly how it works, but I know this as we begin to grow in our faith and immerse ourselves in the word and let our words be his words and his words be our words, somehow there is a release of authority and when we speak, things begin to happen. But not for children. Children have to grow in that. Kings release authority and things shift in the spirit realm. And this has got everything to do with finances and releasing wealth in the kingdom. I'll give you an example. King Herod was an unusual man. And he called in this young woman to do a dance. And she must have done a great dance, you know. She was from Solid Gold or one of those old dance groups. <laughs> if you're old, you'd understand Solid Gold dances. See all the old people nodding, all the young ones going, Solid Gold? So she came in and did this rather entertaining dance. And he said, ask what you will. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Now, here's the point that I'd never seen before. Once he had spoken, it had to come to pass because of those that were assembled around him. Those in authority. He understood he was obliged to see that word come to pass because there were other men and women in authority in his court. And when you and I speak the word of authority as a king, we understand every word will come to pass because those around us in the spirit world will make sure it comes to pass. There's an obligation. See, if you're not a king, if you're a peasant, you can sit, walk down the street, you can say anything, doesn't matter. You can say the king's got you know, an ugly face or, you know, I decree today that there will be no more oranges or whatever. Nobody cares about it. You know, it's just like, who are you? you know, you're nobody. You've got no authority. You can say what you like. It doesn't matter. But when the king speaks, because of his authority and those around him, every word comes to pass. So when we grow in our faith and grow in our understanding of the kingdom, we begin to understand when I speak, those words must come to pass. I turn my faith loose. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I grow in my position as a king. I hope you get that. Thank you. Abraham's faith was what enabled God to establish his promise in his life. Think about it. Abraham's descendants who didn't immerse themselves in the word, who didn't grow their faith, who didn't understand the power of the kingdom, they spent 400 years in slavery. Are you getting that? It's possible for the church to remain for 400 years in poverty and it was never God's intention. So we build our faith. If Abraham's seed is to share the promises of Abraham, they must share the faith of Abraham. If I believe the promise like Abraham believed the promise, then I'll have the same wealth and increase and influence that he had. For it's the combination of the established covenant 
and the established heart that brings forth a blessing. Did you hear that? It's the combination of the established covenant of God and the established heart of man that allows the covenant to work in our lives. That's the issue. So we begin to develop faith in God's ability, in his covenant, in his word that's spoken, that's forever settled in heaven. God begins to work on our words, and we all need to change in this. But we begin, God begins to say, do you really mean that when you say that? Are you confusing your heart again when you utter those words? Do you really want the spirit world to perform what you just said? Is that what you want? Are those thoughts the ones that you want to entertain again and again? Is that what you want to invite all of heaven to reproduce? That imagination that you have, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine. Is that what you want multiplied in your life? And so we begin to change from glory to glory into the image of Christ, from faith to faith. How good is God? As I said before, true prosperity is God manifesting himself to us in his word. And faith begins to be loosed as we immerse ourselves in his kingdom. Let me read you a prophecy from Charles Capps. Some of you may have heard this. 1978. 40 years ago. Charles Cap delivered the, this following prophetic word. For those who don't know Charles Cap, he was a farmer who got a revelation of the power of the word of God. Amazing preacher. He's now with the Lord, but incredible preacher, teacher of the word. And he shared this prophetic word about the end time transfer of wealth. So it's 40 years ago. He said financial inversion. So inversion is turning things upside down, shall increase in these days. So this is for you, okay? I want you to imagine today that Charles is prophesying directly to you. You ready? Because it is to the church. For you see, it is my desire to move in the realm of your financial prosperity. But release me, says the Lord, release me that I may come on your behalf and move on your behalf. For yes, 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 there shall... 30, 60, 100. There shall be in this hour financial distress here and there. The, con the economy will go up and it will go down. But those who learn to walk in the word, they will see the prosperity of the word come forth in this hour in a way that's not been seen by men in days past. Yes, there's coming a financial inversion in the world system. It's been held in the reservoir of the wicked men, of wicked men for days on end. But the end is near. Those reservoirs shall be tapped and they will be drained into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It shall be done, says the Lord. It shall be done in the time allotted. And so shall it be that the word of the Lord will come to pass, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Predominantly in two ways this will come in this hour. Those who have hoarded it up and stored because of the inspiration of the evil one, and how the money from the gospel shall be converted and drawn into the kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the rich, the influential being born again. I encourage you to pray for those people. And it will be released into the reservoir of the kingdom. But many, many will not. They will not heed the voice of the word of the Lord. And they will turn aside to this and turn aside to that. 
And they'll walk in their own ways, but their ways will not work in this hour. It'll dwindle and it'll slip away as though it were bags with holes in them. It'll go here and it'll go there. And they'll wonder why it's not working now, for it worked in the days past, they will say. But it shall be, says the Lord, that the word of the Lord shall rise within men. And I say, and women. Men and women of God, of low esteem in the financial world. Didn't I read before about God taking people out of the dust, making them sit with princes? Men of God, of low esteem in the financial world, they shall claim the word of God to be their very own, and they will walk in the light of it, as it has been set forth in the word, and they will give. They will give small at first, because that's all they have, but then it will increase, and through the hundredfold return, so shall it be that the reservoirs that have held the riches in days past, so shall it return to the hands of the giver. Because of the hundredfold return, shall the reservoirs be lost from the wicked and turned to the gospel. For it shall be in this hour that you will see things that you never dreamed come to pass. Well, oh, it shall be strong at first in ways, then it'll grow greater and greater until men will be astounded and the world will stand in awe because the ways of men have failed and the ways of God will come forth. As men walk in the word, so shall they walk in the ways of God. Oh, yes, there will be some who say, yes, but God's ways are higher, surely higher than our ways, and we can't walk in his ways. It's true that his ways are higher. They are higher than, than your ways as the heavens are above the earth. But I'll teach you to walk in my ways. I never said you couldn't walk in my ways. Now I'll learn to walk in it, learn to give. So shall the inversion of the financial system revert. And so shall it be that the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world. And listen, there shall be no lack in the kingdom. That's worth giving the Lord a hand for. Those that give shall walk in the ways of the supernatural. They shall be known abroad. My word will spread and the knowledge of the Lord shall fill all the earth in the day and the hour in which you stand. You will see and know it, for it is of me, and it will come to pass, says the Lord. It's one of the most profound prophetic words I've ever heard. Matthew 10, 29. Get a load of this. We're going to pray for you in a minute. Jesus said, truly, so you can go to bank on this. I say to you, there is nobody here today who has left their house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that they will receive a hundred times as much now. Say with me now. In this present age and... Sorry, in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms, along with persecution. I think a lot of that will come from the church. Or from religious people. (laughs) And in the age to come, eternal life. For many who are first will be last. That's inversion. And the last will be first. So get a load of this. I was walking out of a meeting with Dean and another pastor who I just met for the first time. 
walking back to our car and I felt the Spirit of God come upon us. And we weren't talking about anything particularly spiritual, just chit-chat. But I knew God was there. I knew there was like, uh, and the only way I can explain it is like a prophetic bubble that was over us. I knew there was something going on. Even if it felt like, just yeah. know that God's there. I don't know what he's doing, but I know you're here. Yeah. And so that was nice and said goodbye and went home and thought that was a bit odd. And we get a, you know, I won't tell the exact how it all panned out, but essentially the pastor went home that night and he felt the same thing. I spoke to him later. He said, I, I, I didn't know what was happening, but I felt there was this connection happening. God was doing something. And he went home and he asked God to show him what that was all about. Now, I'd been praying, Mark, chapter 11 was it, about the hundredfold return. I've been claiming it, Lord, there's a hundredfold return. You said anyone who gives up anything for your sake because they love you and the kingdom to promote your kingdom, you said you give a hundredfold in this life. So I'm claiming that hundredfold return. And once I'm done with that, I'm going across to Deuteronomy 111 and it's a thousandfold. But I'll start with a hundred. I'm claiming that for everything I've given, every decision I've made for your kingdom, I want a ref uh, not refund, I want recompense in every area, relationships, land, houses, Everything that I've given and sown. And not just me, even my mother and my grandfather. All the things that they didn't get. hundredfold return. You can have yours, by the way. But <laughs> go back further. I want all that. I want that to build your kingdom. We need more money. We need more influence. So I've been praying it and declaring it and declaring it. See, he goes home, this pastor, and God gives him a vision. And in the vision, he sees a $100 note, and the $100 note is folded. Do you get it? Yeah, yeah. 100-fold, 100-fold return. And so he comes to our office, because God says he wants to give me a gift. You should give him a gift. And he says, Andrew, I've come, I've come to give you this. Not 30, there's no $30 note, no $60 note, there's only $100 notes, yeah. and this is yours. Now, my eyes nearly popped out of my head because I've got next to me in my office Gloria Copeland's book on the hundredfold return. I said, have a look at this. This is what I've been reading and declaring. Do you think God might be saying something to his church? It's not just about me. It's about the church. It is a hundredfold return. And this is what the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, just very quickly, Psalm 144, verse 1. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language. So they're in bondage. This is a picture of God's people in bondage. Judah became his sanctuary. This is God's people. His holy sanctuary is his holy place. We are his holy people. And Israel became the place where God's government was established. Do you get that? The sea saw it and they fled. Judah turned back at the presence of the God of Jacob. Just next screen. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord. And here's what's going to happen. I felt God say, and we haven't seen this yet, but there's going to come an awe and a trembling as God's people come into kingdom wealth. It's not just going to be about money. If you think it's just about that, you'll miss the point. There's going to come a holy awe at what God will do in these last days. In fact, the earth will tremble 
as we walk into corridors of power. These people were released from captivity. They become God's holy people where he would exercise his dominion. And as they walked into the promised land, the hills, the mountains, Jordan River, the Red Sea, they began to tremble as God's people came into their future. I've got many more scriptures like that, but I'm telling you today that the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed in your finances. If you will release your faith, if you will immerse yourself, so you can walk away and say, oh, Andrew's on about money. It's actually not about that. I say to Karen when we talk about being a blessing and being blessed, it's not just about a new house and a new car. If that's all there is, anybody can do that if they work hard enough. It's not about that. It's about coming into kingdom authority and seeing his will done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a major part of what God will do in these last days. As Charles Capps prophesied, there is an inversion coming. God is going to flow through his people. He's going to use you to be a blessing to the nations. Now when you see the poor, you'll be resourced to do something about it. When you, when you see governments that need money, you'll be able to do something. You'll be able to support different organizations. You'll be able to do everything that God says because you will be resourced. So it's time to let your faith loose and be willing to walk in kingdom blessing. Amen? So, Father, before we pray and lay hands on everyone, I'm asking that you would encourage your people that this is your desire to bless them and prosper them so that they could be a blessing. For those listening on live stream, YouTube, I'm asking, Father, for the spirit of revelation and wisdom to flow today. And I bless them that listen today. And I ask, Father, I reach out my hand and I say, let them function in the hundredfold return. I bless them now in the name of Jesus. Let your kingdom be established. Let them walk in the awe and the glory of the Lord. In Jesus' name.